Welcome to Nigel Beats Series 1, Episode 1, where I take you through the journey of me getting my first decks, uh, starting to explore the world of hip-hop, funk and soul, buying loads of vinyl um, with a seemingly unlimited money supply. You'll hear about that more. Nothing illegal, um, I promise. And you'll hear about things such as The Cooker. Um, you'll hear about some bands and some artists and labels that uh, I discovered in these early days. And we'll get to the point in the story up to where I'm ready to to be a DJ for the first time. So I uh, hope you enjoy the story and uh, uh, let's let's uh, kick it off. So I consider myself to have had a lot of good luck and I'm very appreciative of that in life and good good luck and chance, I'd say. Um, I think maybe because I've also, also had bad luck and bad chances. So I lost my dad as a teenager, I had cancer a couple of times, things like that, uh, just little things. Um, but in terms of good luck and chance, one thing was that I was ready for university in 1997, which was the last year that... Um, People in the UK could go to university for free, basically, with the possibility of free grants. So you didn't need to pay full tuition fees and get loans like you do now. So uh, I actually delayed going to university by a year to get some work experience. So I went in 1998. But because I delayed, it, it technically was a bit of a loophole and it meant I could go to university and I could get a grant for all the costs of uh, the course and everything. So my mum had to pay for like my accommodation and food and stuff. Which again, I'm very appreciative. Thanks, Mum. But it meant that each year, and certainly for the first year, I could get only, only I think it was only a grand and a half, so one and a half thousand pounds, something like that, as grant free money, uh, intended to be used towards your studies. But you didn't have to pay for classes, so a bit weird. I think with recollection, it was supposed to be used for, you know, like books and equipment for your course and things. But you know, people bought different stuff. So Chris, hello, Chris. Chris bought a skateboard as part of his. I think he, but certainly Paul, hi Paul, he bought a guitar uh, with uh, his, although those guys, no, hang on, I'm saying it a bit wrong, those guys were a year younger than me, so they had to pay, but they also, you know, spunk some of their money on cool stuff. Nige here decided to buy some decks, so I spent my money ordering some kind of mail order, I think it, well, no, it was from Hard Fun Records or somewhere, I don't remember where it was from, it was before the days of Amazon. I ordered two Newmark decks, a Newmark mixer, and then at some point I also bought a CD mixer, uh, as in like a DJ CD player that you could adjust pitch and, you know, loop stuff a little bit and stuff. And that's why I spent my first year of uni um, uh, grant on. So that's kind of where a lot of the story starts, really, because uh, that free money, um, it was a great, great <laughs> kickstart. I had the decks, and what comes next is to try and learn to use them. So the basic thing most people would pick up on is beat mixing. That's the kind of the basics because of the lights that flash, and you know you're kind of at the time aware of that. I think I mean some people might come into it with turntablism and scratching and hip hop and stuff, but I was definitely not a hip hop head at this point. Um, I'm going to talk about music probably in another episode or, or a bit later in this episode, but. Um, and the final I would have had at that stage was was mostly indie and rock and stuff like that, um, maybe some prodigy and things. But but basically the, the the next stage of this journey had to be learning beat mixing, which which basically was dependent on picking some decent dance music to try and beat mix to, and this didn't go very well. And uh, I mean I think I managed some mixes, um, 
but there was lots of lots of very bad attempts and, and failures and i remember um then i obviously had a crowd of people around me in halls and chris particularly hi again chris um was keen and excited to join me in this experimentation so chris had a good good old go at beat mixing some stuff and i remember one disaster was when he was trying to mix blue the one that goes blue is the color and blue is this and blue is an awful song that he'd bought but not one of mine and he was trying to mix that with something you know dancey housey so you know there, there basically was probably a few months where we were learning beat mixing and learning about the lights and trying to change the the speed you know adjustment and, and trying to beat mix basic house music so you know this this was definitely a dark period of my djing life <laughs> and um the, the good thing though was at the same time i was buying some breakbeat and big beat um kind of records so i'd always been into kind of fat boy slim and prodigy and things um and I was discovering various uh, records that, that had that bit more of a breakbeat kind of side. And I remember there was one by Cutler Rock. I need to look up the track name of it. But Cutler Rock, um, which had this badass, very heavy bass line, which uh, had two things happen with it when I was uh, mucking about with it on these decks. One was that the speaker fell off my shelf because the bass was too much. And the other thing was that the guy who lived above me in halls absolutely like thundered on his floor to get me to shut up because I'd been mucking about with this deep bass line track. <laughs> and normally the guys above you were in their final year studying for their, you know, finals and stuff when we were first years, freshers below. So that's quite a funny memory of uh, the early days. Let's talk about vinyl and record shops. Uh, growing up in High Wycombe, we were very, very lucky. I had a record shop called Scorpion Records. It was amazing. Really, really cool, cool shop. A lot of people that I talk to now from High Wycombe rave about it and and for me it was it was really really cool but i was an indie kid really then so i was buying indie seven inches as like pulp and blair and sleeper and menswear and all this kind of stuff was going on in the mid 90s i was an indie kid so um i think i might have bought a couple of prodigy records towards the end maybe a couple of beastie boys but um we had one main record shop in york called replay records and they were amazing and again looking back now they were really amazing as a record shop. It was like big and spacious enough with enough stock, but quite a good throughput of new stuff. So every time you went in there, there was new 12 inches and, and LPs and, and singles as well. So um, similar to the decks, I just kept spending my student money because <laughs> I had quite a lot of money then. Um, so we'd go in most, most days of the week, but otherwise Saturday certainly, and just pick up a few records. So um, I started... At this point, I already knew about Fatboy Slim, so I think I started thinking about Skint Records as a label, and I knew Ninja Tunes and some things like that as well. So I'd buy anything I could find with Skint, Ninja Tunes, like DJ Food, that kind of stuff, DJ Shadow, anything like that I'd pick up. So so there was a bit of a breakbeat thing that evolved, um, and I'd pick up some singles, and I'd sort of heard the idea of people picking up old sort of funk and soul records and finding a gem, you know, finding like a really rare amazing record um you know and just discovering it so so i'd buy random quite you know cool sounding bands or tracks or whatever just from this sort of vinyl collection hoping that i'd stumble on you know the most stupendous amazing tune and you know there were lots that there were moderately okay um there was a few that were pretty good um did i ever find one that stood out as an amazing find i could have made myself a million millionaire no but it was good times buying lots of stuff. But there is context here as well. So um, what was going on in my first year of uni was that um, 
uh, a couple of guys that became very good friends, Nick and Rob, were in charge of running the events in our part of the Students' Union, in our part of York Uni. And they um, decided to run an, a night called The Cooker, which would bring in funk and soul and hip hop to some extent. So that started in my pretty much my first or second term at uni. And I never really heard that kind of stuff before. And at the same time, there was on a Thursday, I think it was in the basement of one of the clubs in town, was a like a soul night. So with those two things going on at the same time, that's how I started to pick up on the idea of funk and soul and, and hip hop more. And so what the vinyl was I was buying would obviously reflect that. So that's where I started to get into things like Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, I think they're called. Um, and through the events that were being run, the cooker, we became aware of this band, the New Master Sounds. So that would be another example of a kind of a funk jazz sound that I'd start buying. I would start to pick up these DJ vinyl uh, items. So it might be like sound bites. There was one that I've got, which is Norman Cook, um, Fat Boy Slim kind of stuff. Uh, he he basically had provided all these little sounds. There's so some things you might recognise from tracks of his. But otherwise, loads and loads of like that. 50 sounds on double, double LP. The other is you could learn, you could use these as beats, background beats, or to scratch with or samples or whatever. So um, that was you know part of what I'd uh, pick up. And then I'd pick up a lot of these kind of breakbeat double LPs, and a lot of the time there wasn't much good on them. A very important piece that I then stumbled on was Grand Central Records and Rain Christian. So uh, I, I think I discovered first, actually I don't remember what I discovered first, I was going to try and make something up there, but I don't remember first. The thing that really stuck with me all these years is a mix mag CD that Rain Christian put together. Um, that's Mark Ray and Steve Christian, I believe. Um, they put together a mix of their own stuff from this label that they're running in Manchester. And... I've got that CD. I've bought it several times since since that time. You know, nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety nine. I've bought it several times since to make sure I've got a decent copy of CD. I've got it on double vinyl. Well, I think it's four twelve inch vinyl things on a on a gatefold thing, and it's just brilliant and timeless. And I love so much of the music from it. And and basically, this introduced me to Grand Central Records and what they were trying to do in Manchester as this sort of late nineties, early noughties uh, Manchester hip hop that was evolving. And it it was it was a bit like the sort of Bristol trip hop um, stuff that had evolved. You know, it was like a whole scene almost coming out of these guys and what they were doing with the different artists and vocalists they were working with. And it was just brilliant. And it just absolutely hit me. And it was perfect for what I liked. And so many of the tracks did so well when we then started to play them out um, as the DJ journey established. But but it started with buying these records from uh, the shop in York. And then when I started to travel to Leeds and Manchester for various things, mainly because I was in the charity rag group at uni, so we've got lots of city trips, that I'd go to the record shops there. Still, but otherwise Leeds, quite a lot of the time at weekends, we'd go to Leeds. And um, yeah, so uh, Grand Central and, and Ray and Christian have definitely been a big part of uh, my journey and, and those early days and then still love the records now absolutely so that's it that's kind of we get the story up to the point where i've got an increasingly growing uh, box of vinyl um i'm learning about this sort of soul funk hip-hop kind of world and getting really into it i'm um 
just dancing so much. So many times of the week we'd be in the clubs in York or we'd have student union events. And so, you know, music was just living, living and breathing music, absolutely. There was a very little amount of studying going on. I wasn't sporty. Uh, I was into the charity stuff. So that again gave me loads of city trips um, to places like Manchester and Edinburgh. And, and I'd always try and find you know, record stores and, and pick up a couple of things. I had good supply of money, you know, good disposable income for a student. Um, so it really was, you know, great recipe for doing something with it. You know, I was I was ready to kind of leave the bedroom in halls. Uh, and so that's uh, for another episode where we uh, I'll take you through how things started to turn into actual running events. So uh, thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed Nigel Beats this episode and uh, I'll see you soon.